Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine, coach in life, queen of burnout and sass, mother of dragons, and right now, keeper of the Amazon, Dr. Aaron Wiseman. I'm so excited for this episode. I am having you meet my personal financial advisor, Jeffrey Berger. He's been with me for the past 12-ish years. We'll go into it more in the story on the weather that he has weathered with us essentially through residency, my burnout, and then coming out on the other side. I'm really excited for you guys to meet him as he is what I feel like is not the typical financial guy. All right, well, let's get into this episode. Friends, I have a very exciting guest that I'm bringing to you today. This is a gentleman that I met, I believe, in residency. No, actually, I was a fourth-year medical student. He had come to do a noon conference for the residency that I was a student at, and I thought, you know, there's something about this guy. I think I need to talk to him. So, of course, me being me, I scheduled an appointment for him and my husband, and we sat down, and then it has just been storybook after that. So, this is my financial advisor, money guru, and friend, Jeffrey Berger. Jeffrey, it's so great to have you here with me on the podcast today. Thank you, Erin. It's an honor to be here. So I've been doing this money series called Money Advice That Would Make Your Financial Advisor Cringe. And it has been so fun to do. I talk about why we fired Dave Ramsey for mental health purposes, <laughs> when I stopped my retirement contribution, and, and we'll talk about that conversation that you and I had about that, and just some other kind of maybe against the grain financial decisions that I have made for good or for bad, and telling my audience how they've worked out helping them understand that there's really no wrong way to do money if that is looking at your situation clearly and and understanding that maybe where you're at in the season that you're in, it's what makes sense for you. So before I get too far ahead of myself, why don't you introduce yourself, talk a little bit about your, your work and yeah, anything else you want to add? My name is Jeffrey Berger. I'm with, I've been, a, we've been with Baird for over 15 years have a wonderful practice. There's uh, three of us, four of us in our practice, myself, another financial advisor, and two wonderful support staff. Uh, I do a lot of work with physicians. Um, I've had a, a good piece of my practice is working with physicians of all ages um, from just getting started to retired. So it's, it's always been a fun part. I'm the son of a general surgeon. So I have lived and breathed the life of a doctor vicariously through my father, who was in solo practice as a physician in Chicago, which was tough. It was very tough to uh, just because he was not home a lot and saw a lot about how he worked hard for his family and keep his practice going. So I, I love working with physicians. It's been wonderful. But I have a, we have a very, very diverse practice in what we do here. Baird is an amazing firm, and it's been a great opportunity for me and um, have wonderful clients like Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> or crazy hairbrain clients like Aaron. So. So I think it was like 2009, 2010 when uh, Mr. Wiseman and I set up to, and we met you in your office. I remember that. Yeah. And one of the first questions that you asked us is like, what are your goals? Like, what do you, what do you foresee doing and, and what you want to do with that? And Craig being Craig, you know, he was very much like, 
you know, I am a farmer, we do agriculture, we want to first make sure that we can afford the family farm when it gets passed to us. And secondly, help to build on that. And I remember you shaking your head and saying like, yeah. And then my response to that is like, I have got to get rid of these damn student loans. (laughs) Because going to a private DO school, I had a lot, a lot of debt. And I mean, like I said, I was still a medical student. I think I was a third or fourth year medical student and was still accumulating debt at that point. And so when it when you meet the first time with people, what's your mindset when you're sitting down with them? Listening, because everyone's different. That's the most important thing that I need to do and when starting a relationship. Because, you know, in some people's cases, they don't want to pay down their debt as fast as maybe you did. And that was a priority for you. That, that was what keep, that, that, so it was keeping you up at night. It was keeping you worried about life and being able to go on to this next phase in your life. Some people have different plans on how they tackle it and different reasons. Everyone has a different goal. And, you know, sometimes sitting down with a, uh, a family at first, you bring up the word financial planning and that you could just see the, be- the, 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 the hairs on the back of their neck just kind of go up. They're not ready for it. But then again, I'll sit down, I sat down with a young client yesterday in their 20s, not even married yet. And he's like, I want to put a financial plan together now. So I, I kind of got the hint of like, okay, they want to start now. So you, you need to, it's, it's listening. And as the people go through their life, you kind of realize when they're in different stages and when it's time to do certain things to help them achieve the financial success that they want to achieve. Sometimes it takes a little longer for others. <laughs> and that's what I really appreciated about you because it wasn't about, well, this package would work well for you or, or you know, I think these type of services is what you need to invest in or look in. That's what I had walked away with when we first talked to you was like, he's going to be on our side. Like he's going to understand where we're at and not try to push us into a corner that maybe we're not ready to go there. And so I greatly appreciate that about you, that you you do meet people where they're at. You, you have to, you have to, but you also have to be honest. So, you know, there comes a point, you know, if we go down the, you know, someone going down a path and they're not saving the way they should, we're going to be honest about it and say, we have to, we have to start looking at this or you're not, are you going to be working till you're 85 years old? Now, some people want to do that. If that's your goal, then that's your goal. But, you know, if someone sits, comes down, comes in and says, you know, they haven't saved and they want to retire in 10 years, you know, we're going to be honest and say, it ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You might be eating cat food. <laughs> Hopefully not that bad, but we have to plan. And so at some point, there is a time and a place for putting a plan together. And and for some people, you just have, it might be 10 years down the road before they're ready. And when they're ready, you, I, you know, they're ready. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, too, that came from our first couple of meetings was actually not anything to do with the money, but you really encouraged us to make sure that we had our our different types of insurances in place, life insurance, long-term disability insurance. You got us in contact with a lawyer for when we, we got our will and all that kind of stuff put the in place for the first time. And so I really appreciated that, that you were kind of looking out for us as a, as a whole person rather than just looking at our checkbook and our, our pay stubs. Thank you. That's what you need to do. What other type of maybe things that people don't think about that really does impact their life that they should be looking at, like those different documents and policies and that sort of thing. Do you encourage people to do? First and foremost, 
you know, having an estate plan is important, especially if you have a family. So when you look at, you'd be surprised how many people don't have a basic will, a power of attorney, even as physicians, not to have the proper healthcare documents. You know, we always say we're our, we're our own worst clients, you know, but how many physicians come in and deal with situations where there's not a medical power of attorney or a, a, a do not resuscitate or whatever, and physicians don't have them themselves. So those that's a very important thing to look at regardless, especially if you're starting a family and even if you're single, because of who do you want to make those decisions for you? So we, we really like to highly encourage at least checking that box and getting that done before one does anything. Well, and that feels scarier than what it really is. And you all honestly think like, oh my gosh, how much is this going to cost? But I'll be honest, like it really not, wasn't that much no. at all. You're dealing with a regular family attorney who's you know, you're not, you don't need fancy documents at this point. You know, you look at a basic will, powers of attorney to give to let someone, people don't realize that you're, even though you're married, you know, you can't be, you can't act on each other's behalf, even though you're married. So you have to have powers of attorney for each of you to do that. And, and just basic healthcare documents, you know, living wills, being able to access each other's healthcare documents, or if you're single to have someone to be able to do that for you. So that's an important thing that we encourage people to do and seek out and get that taken care of. Always a believer of disability insurance. You've got a much, much greater chance of becoming disabled than you do passing away in your lifetime. So disability is is a very important uh, vehicle. And then when the time is right, you know, looking at life insurance to protect a family, especially when you have a physician, whether it's male or female, being the majority breadwinner in a family and the the other spouse is not. And if something, God forbid, happens to that breadwinner who's bringing in the two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year passes away, you can't make that up. You know, the other spouse is not going to be able to make that up. So having good term, cheap life insurance in place is, is critical. Those are the those are the first three things to start. Those are really like the, the two, two or three things I always recommend first and foremost before you do anything. Get that get that part of the you know, everything in shape. Yeah. Craig always says he's worth more dead than alive. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the same way to my wife. So yes. <laughs> exactly. What do you tell people next after they um, get those first three things in place? I mean, of course, you're doing an individualized plan and depending on are, where they're at. I'm speaking big picture. Right. The next thing is really kind of having that emergency fund, you know, having a little bit of money put aside for emergencies because things happen to people. You know, it happens. Things come up situations happen. You know, I'm less concerned when a physician, physician losing a job, but it can happen. But to to have, you know, emergency money just in case uh, put aside is, is critical. From there, we talk about beginning to build a plan, you know, looking at what each person's, you know, goals, what do they want to do? And, you know, looking at where you're at now, where you want to be and how do we get there? And sometimes, like I said, that takes time. It's not always going to happen right out of the right out of the shoot. You know, like, like in your case, you guys have been really working hard to 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 buy land, and you know, at some point, we need to sit down and put a more comprehensive plan together. But we have not done that yet. It has not been the right time for the Weissman family, and we've talked about it. But it's got to be a mutual. All right, we're ready to do it, and when we're ready, it will work, and we'll put it together. Yeah, and I love that approach. Going back to the emergency fund, so. 2014, you got an email from me and it was like, Jeffrey, we need to talk. 
And I remember getting on the phone and you were so excited. You were like, how's the new job and, you know, the practice and everything. And I was like, Jeffrey, I hate my life. Like, this is awful. And you gave me some of the most comforting words because I had questions about like, oh, shit, if I leave this or if I go part time, like, you know, again, like, are we going to be eating cat food? And one of the things that you told me is, Aaron, the most important thing right now is that you are healthy. And I really appreciated that because as I had talked to other people, I mean, I thought I was just crazy because internally I was so burned out and numb that I knew it was the right decision. But other people were looking at me like, what do you mean? You like reach the top of the mountain. You're a full attending, making the big girl pay and all the things. And I was just so unhappy. And you shared a little bit about your own personal family. I think it was your sister you had mentioned to me who had made some changes as far as with that. Would you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about her story and and how that helps you relate, how you helped you relate to me when I was in the middle of burnout? Sure. Well, it was, it was, you know, it even happened to me too, but you know, she was, she was, she was a physician and, and never practiced as a practicing physician. I mean, she didn't, she did a lot of moonlighting. Uh, she was a radiologist, she's a radiologist, but she went into corporate America and decided to work in the corporate world versus, and that was very hard for my dad, you know, putting her through school, going through, you know, going through everything. She was, she had a, she has a mammography fellowship from the university of university of Chicago. Yeah. So she's done, I can't remember, but she's done very well there. And, but she chose not to go into practicing medicine. She wanted to go into the corporate world and it was hard. It was, it was a tough decision for her, but it was, it was, it was her decision. It's what she wanted to do. And she hasn't regretted it ever since. Yeah. And I remember you shared that with me because I didn't really have any examples at that point of people who had stepped away and that it had turned out okay. At that point, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to end up into the crazy asylum or I'm going to be working the checkout desk at the local grocery store. Like, holy shit, what am I going to do? And that story, when you shared it to me, was like, okay, we're going to be all right. And then what we kind of did was kind of went through just what you said. Like, you asked, like, okay, how much do you guys have put away? And we had a significant amount of emergency fund. And I remember you telling me, okay, that's what you're going to use first. Use that first. And then we started talking about, I think at that point, I was still contributing to the uh, the retirement plan at that organization. And we talked to, I said, well, I think I need to either slow this up or need to stop it so that we had a little bit of money back. And you said, okay, <laughs> but don't forget about it altogether. Right. And then after we looked a little bit more, it actually looked like if we had gotten to the point where we needed to liquidate some money, it wouldn't actually have been my retirement that we would have started with. It would have been Craig's just because of like penalties and that sort of thing. The way it was structured, right. And we did walk through that a lot. We looked at the different options and we ran those and with some reluctance, I ran those, but you know, it was, we, we wanted to have a plan just in case. And we've been lucky. We've never had, you've been, you've been very blessed. You've not had to do that. And that's what, that was the great thing is that we had the planning in place, like damage control. Like, okay, if shit hits the fan, this is level one. And then if it progresses, this is level two. And then this is level three. Even to the point where I was like, okay, what furniture can I sell? Can we go down to one car? And I remember you telling me like, Aaron, some things are essential. You do have two little kids right now. Like, don't get rid of the minivan. 
<laughs> but it, looking back on it, that was so comforting to have that conversation and then take that information back to Craig and sit down and said, okay, Jeffrey says, this is what we can do and we're going to be okay. And I so appreciate that. Have you had to do damage control plans with anybody else or is it just me? No, it happens once in a while. People make career changes or they're, you know, they're just not happy in their, what they're doing. So it happens once in a while. You have to run into that where someone has gone one direction and realized this is, this is not it. This is not for me. What do we do? And how do we pivot? And we're here to help. If When those come up, we're here to help people make those changes. I, I've had several physicians that have left practicing and have gone into corporate America. They've made the change, but, you know, they really kind of really thought through it and figured out, make sure they were going to be okay. And they were able to move to companies that were paying a you know wonderful salary. So they were able to make that pivot very successfully and they haven't looked back, but I've had situations where we get these really tough phone calls and we're like, all right, let's, can we make, let's, let's, let's see how we can make this work. And we've been able to do it. Yeah. Let's rationally sit down and say, okay, what's our contingency plan? And even with that then, so we would continue to check up. You you would check up on us there for a little while. It was like every six months or so. And we tr we do try to meet yearly when we can get it on the calendar and get yeah. it done. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's a little bit longer than that. there and I get a phone call. So yeah, yeah <laughs> wait, exactly. Wait, 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 We're in the middle of harvest. Don't come. <laughs> Don't That's come. what happened this year, guys. Was I was, I forget what I was doing. Oh, I was at a meeting and you texted me and Craig had forgotten to tell me that you were coming up that day yeah. and he's in a cornfield somewhere. And I was like, yeah, this is not going to work. Like we got to, we got to reconfigure the plan, but we'll get it done. We'll get it done this year. It was only about 15 minutes out. So we were okay. I was able to turn around and go home. So it worked out. <laughs> but the great thing too, about having those regular, almost like checkups, you know, wellness visits is that then you've been able to see how things are progressing. You'll, you'll say, okay, like, how are things now? Where are you guys at? And it's been really nice on some of the times where we're like, listen, we do not have the money to put in the, the 529 plans for the kids. Like not this year, it's not going to happen. And then other years we have been able to, you know, put a little bit in and you remind us, Checking in about six years ago, when this business started to take off, you were like, Aaron, there are some benefits to being an entrepreneur and self-employed. We need to talk about this sometime now that I do the coaching and podcasting and speaking and all of that kind of stuff. So you you have definitely... And so can you talk a little bit about that? There are definitely listeners who are doing kind of their own little side hustles, small businesses. What are some of the benefits to doing that when it comes to wealth management? Yeah, I mean, there, there's, you know, as your own as your own boss, there are opportunities to put money aside and save for taxes, save, avoid paying taxes. Something as simple as a, a, it's called a SEP IRA, which is a which lets let you put 20% of what your net profits are into a retirement account that you don't have to pay tax to Uncle Sam in now, but you'll pay later. If someone's having an incredibly successful business and they want to put serious, serious money aside, there's things called individual 401k plans where you can put substantial amounts of money aside each year. So as one's business grows, there, there's opportunities to help you know save for retirement, reduce the tax liability. And um, keep that money in your own hands versus giving it to Uncle Sam. So there are opportunities. And when the time is right and your business is cash flowing well, there are things that we can do to, to help you there. And another thing, too, because I've talked to a lot of physicians, I'm not the only one that the student loans feel like a thousand pounds sitting on your chest. 
I remember telling you is that my goal is to get all of my student loans paid off in 10 years. Well, and then I crashed and burned into burnout and, you know, had significant income changes both up and down, you know, trying different jobs, doing the entrepreneurial thing, now landing in a really great space where I love my work and I feel really well compensated for it now. So it's looking like, and I just shared with Jeffrey before we got on here, I have one student loan with one loan servicer, and it looks like I won't get it done in 10 years, but I will get it done in 11 and a half years. That's awesome. Which- Congratulations. You know, like- I think about that now, how rigid I was with like that 10 year mark. There's nothing special about it. Like it came and passed and the student loan police didn't come confiscate my children. So, but you set a goal and you, and you really came close to knocking it out and you, and you, and with a pivot in between. So that's fantastic. And that's what I remind myself. Yeah. A big pivot in there for sure. And. And doing it in a way that felt really honoring to me. You know, I had considered military, I had considered national, the national program that, you know, but then that we would have to move and do some different things. And so, yeah, I'll take that extra year and a half for doing it on my own terms. When you're talking to other folks about who um, maybe they're, maybe they're not just doctors. I mean, anybody can rack up educational debt, you know, getting into a graduate degree or maybe taking a little longer at school. What are your tips and tricks when it comes to managing those debts? Yeah, it really is a case by case situation. But for the most part, you have to look at, there's a couple of things you kind of have to weigh. Obviously, I'm not a big fan of student loan debt and credit card debt and things like that. That's obviously, you know, we have to be careful. You want to get those things out of the way before you begin significant investing. But when you're planning, what you have to think about is there's a balance in life and being careful. So not to miss time because investing is all about time. It's not about what investments you pick. That's the easy part. Time is what makes an investor successful in planning for the long term. And when you look at physicians who have given up that their 20s, where most people will graduate college and go into the work and are able to begin putting significant amounts of money aside. Like, you know, I graduated, I was single, and I was put I was I was sending money to my advisor every single week because I didn't have a life. You know, I was I was really being able to build my my base. A physician doesn't have that opportunity because they, they committed to another four years of medical school, residencies, fellowships, internships, all those things can take. 10 of the first crucial years away. Then you come out and you have student loans to deal with. So it's a balance. I try and talk to clients about finding the balance of building wealth and getting those obligations paid off in kind of like a horizontal manner, not always necessarily a vertical matter. Some people are going to do like, you know, your decision is I want to go vertical. I want to get this stuff done. I want to get these loans paid off and then I can start looking at that. And it's your personal decision. It's what kept you sleeping at night, which is good. If that is such a concern, then yes, you do what makes you feel the best. I mean, I can only give you advice and you're going to do what makes you feel the most comfortable and get you through the day and do what you need to do. Yeah, you definitely know that about me. Yeah, no, I do. And But I'm I'm very much of a believer of sort of horizontal thinking about a little bit of everything. So do you take advantage of matches that might be available through work or maxing out a 401k plan and then using all of your other dollars to pay down debt. You know, that's one way to look at it. So you're just, it's finding that good balance of doing both because you don't want to lose 15, 20 years more of time 
doing one thing and then all of a sudden you're really behind the eight behind the curveball when you're trying to really save for retirement and want to stop working at 60 or 65. It just makes it challenging. So it's it's finding that balance and working with each client one on one and what's the right balance for them. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the one of the ways Team Wiseman has done this is we maybe have not we have some traditional um, retirement. We have stocks, but we've really focused on investment on the land side. So you know, we bought two years ago about it. It was it's right about eighty five acres to start with, and pulling income off of that, and it's it's making money. It's making my husband happy because he loves to drive on his own land as well. We bought in. We bought shares. Grandma Wiseman out of Wiseman Farms. So we're owners into that. And so can you talk about other tools that maybe people are forgetting about that can be part of their investment portfolio besides like the traditional IRAs, 401ks? Yeah. And you and you guys are really in a unique circumstance. I, I don't work with a lot of farmers, but farmers are a kind of a unique breed when it comes to the land and accumulation of land that's that is one of the largest estate you know wealth builders for farmers is 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 buying land so you have a plan not only just just not using investments the traditional stocks bonds things like that but you're using very significant investments in real estate which in the long run is is only going to benefit you guys in the long run as well but other diversified things to look at is you know one of them is real estate you know is looking at individuals who Diversify a portfolio by buying, you know, doing rental property, that type of thing. It's a wonderful diversifier. I mean, I have it in my myself. I mean, I have rental properties in myself, and it's, you know, it's a great diversifier in in my total picture of how I'm building my wealth for my family. So that's one of the easiest. It's it's not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word easiest. It's a lot of work. Real estate is not an easy thing, but it's a it's an it's the it's sort of the next one of those next things that you tend to see people as they're building their wealth will tend to try and get into is doing real estate the right way. And um, it, it's, it can be a very successful, can be a nice diversifier for a portfolio. I know I recently talked with someone here on the podcast about commercial investment, where you are a contributor, you know, you put 10, 20, $50,000 in, but you are hands off, like you don't have to do the management kind of thing. And I know that more and more physicians are kind of looking at that because like you said, it diversifies your portfolio, but then you don't have to evidently be the one that goes and find somebody to fix the sink or when the dishwasher goes out or, you know, that kind of thing. With your rental properties, are you part of a property management group where somebody does that kind of stuff? Talk a little bit about that because I think the nuts and bolts, because we hear a lot of times like, buy rental properties. But then like with Corona and everything that happened, like Airbnb properties, that would kind of suck ass for a little while. Right, right. So most of what I have, I have a couple of business partners and we actually own the property ourselves. I have one, some property with three of us and some property with another gentleman. So it's just two of us. But we have a property manager that manages the property. So I'm not dealing with the day-to-day renting, you know, the sink leaks, the toilet needs to be repaired, those type of things. So they handle all of that. We pay them a fee to do that. But the real estate itself, we own ourselves. So I'm not in a big group of 70 or 80 people or 10 or 20 people. You got to remember when you get in the real estate with other people, it's like you're getting married. 
And you got to be careful. You know, you got to pick your grooms and your brides properly because it can blow up as well. So my partners were, were they're considered my second and third wife because we've got a lot of, we've got a lot together. We've got a lot of investments together and I need to know that they're financially as strong as I am and that they're in a good condition and they're going to make the same decisions as I am. And they're not going to come in and say, my God, I need money. I'm running out of money. I need to take money out of the business because we don't do that. You know, we've never taken a dime out of our investment properties ever. I put money into them. So that's where you want to be careful about if you're going to go in and something where you say, well, you might make a 50 or $100,000 investment with 10 or so other people. You need to make sure who you're in bed with and that you're comfortable with those individuals because it can backfire as well. And who is managing that property and are they doing it correctly? So I'm fortunate that my business partner is what is our property manager as well. That's his business. So he's got a little vested interest to make sure things are done right because he's got a, he's got an investment with us as well. There are other ways to get into real estate. There are different, you know, lo- much larger vehicles that you can put twenty five, thirty, forty thousand dollars in, and it's just purely an investment where you really have no hands on. You're one of, you know, part of a billion, multi billion dollar portfolio, and that is another way to do it. But you have to have you have to be at a certain level financially to be able to do that. So, do most physicians qualify for that level, or is uh, it over time ridiculous? they would? Yeah, okay, over time they would. Yeah. So it's like Those mid are- to late career is when you probably have accrued enough wealth. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pick your brain. What are some other, other ways to do investment that uh, are investments to add to your portfolio that are a little bit not traditional? Oh my gosh. I'll tell the audience while you're thinking one of them that I had recently, uh, not recently, it's probably been about a year ago. I got approached to be a, was it a shareholder or Something. I sent you an email about it and I was like, what do you think about this? (laughs) And you're like, well, you know, Jeffrey knows me well. He's like, you're going to do what you're going to do. I know that about you, but I don't know much about this company. It was, it was part of the entrepreneurial world. And I think I had like been using the product and, and, you know, they were offering their users uh, part of the buy-in before they went public. I ended up not jumping into it because I was like, this might be a little bit too erratic and, and radical for me. But, you know, I guess that could have been potentially. That is another way, you know, but people usually do that are ready to, to lose what they what they put in and they're ready to double or triple what they put in because for every winner, you're going to have a couple losers. But investing in what's called like being an angel investor where you're helping a business who is struggling, who couldn't get net, you know, more traditional bank financing, sort of being their investor in some way. That is that that there are a lot of people that love to do that. There's a lot of risk involved too. You know, you got you you put, you put your all your eggs in just one of those companies. You're either gonna it's either gonna be a winner or it's gonna be a loser. So quite often when you see someone that does that, they have diversified themselves into a lot of different types of working with a lot of being an angel investor for more than one, just one, more than one company, you know, they might have their, their finger in a lot of different things, hoping one's going to do well and one might not do well. You know, you saying that my, my cousin up in the Michigan border, her and her husband bought a really old barn and some property and they're turning it into a space for like weddings, parties, photography. And we actually did give them some money to help them, you know, get the funds that they needed for the right. bank to say that. So I guess I am an angel investor too. In some way you are. Now, do you have, were you loaning them the money or were you actually a shareholder in it? So uh, we, a just we just did okay. a loan. We just did a loan. So you did a loan. So they're going to pay you back. 
sometimes you do it as like, well, you actually take equity in a company. Mm. So you might have said, okay, we'll give you this. And we're not expecting you to pay us back, but we want a 25% ownership in the company. And if there's profits, you benefit from the profits. If they sell it, you benefit on the sale. So that is one way of looking at investing. I don't, I, I personally don't do a lot of that, but there are a lot of people that will. Mm-hmm. You know, side businesses, that type of thing is another wonderful way of, of building your wealth. If there's a niche or something that you're good at, I mean, you hear, you know, I'm a, I love watching Shark Tank. And that's one of my favorite things to watch. And you see quite often a lot of physicians that will come out the Shark Tank because they're looking for angel investors or equity investors, but they've created something that something new to market, you know, and, you know, they're trying to do this as well as be a physician or they're doing it on the side or their family's helping them. But that's a whole nother way of investing is investing in yourself in a product or a business that in addition to practicing medicine can also help you build your wealth. Absolutely. Doctors, they're, they're pretty creative. You know, they think of some like innovative, innovative stuff to to help people. I know there's a lot of listeners right now who I'm always encouraging people to bring those ideas into action Yeah, because you just, you don't, you don't know, you might be the next shark tanker. No, you might be. But I think the most important thing is the story you start off, you you want to keep it simple, you know, take the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid, and start simple start with the basics, build your base, build that. You know, I always encourage people to, you know, when someone says they want to start doing some crazy investing or go buy, you know, do crazy investing on a side, I said, go get an E-Trade account, go do it yourself. I'm not, I am not your, you know, buy this quick stock, see what happens and get out kind of person. I am your, I am your future. I am your retirement, your base, your solid rock. That's what I do. You want to go have some fun, Go do that on your own. That's where you're going to be your most successful. Go, so, go do some you Bitcoin. Gotta, you got to have that. You got to have that base. You know, you got to have that base. And that's what we do. And then there's always other opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing I haven't told you about is I started selling our non-GMO corn on Etsy for an incredible markup for people who want to feed their squirrels non-GMO corn. It's hilarious, but it's fun. Just on fun. Etsy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. See, there you go. Lots of fun. opportunity. Yeah. Well, Jeffrey, is there anything else that you want to make sure that the audience knows when it comes to wealth building, when it comes to their money? You know, there's a balance in life. I've always been a believer of you have to enjoy it. You have to save some and you got to give some away. And I'm a very strong believer of finding that balance at some point in life. You know, you're going to be in a position where you can, you know, you can enjoy what you're doing, have some fun while you're building your wealth, but also building, building that base that's going to allow you, if you want to walk away at age 60 or 65, whatever that magic number is that you've, you've got that card to put down and say, I've done it, I can walk away. And at the same time, you know, giving back, you know, giving back to the community that's been good to you. So I'm always a believer of kind of all three of those things as you're going through life and building wealth and enjoying it at the same time. And it, it is doable. I've, I've done it myself. I've been able to do all three and in, in doing it in a way where it's, it's, it's a great balance for me. And I know it's, it can be a great balance for a lot of people. 
Well, I appreciate you coming and and being a gracious guest today. I really want to make sure the audience knows that it's so important to have an advisory team, have your A-team that really fits you. And that's why I wanted to introduce you all to Jeffrey, because he has been here through the thick and thin. He has seen us at the lowest of lows, and now he's starting to ride the high back up with us. And I'm really excited that we are to the point of those goals that we talked about 11, 12 years ago, and that that um, we are going to be able to get our our base more firmed up. And I want to encourage everyone to find those people for you in your area. And if you don't know of anyone, drop me an email. I'll reach out to Jeffrey and say, hey, who do you know in Maine or Florida or Alaska or California? Or even, you know, just reaching out to him. I can provide his email address and and you guys, if you have any more questions, I know he's always great about answering them and and or at least sending you to the resources that are important, uh, are good resources, not just the junk shit on the internet. And so you know, you always want to have a good attorney in your in your side pocket. You want to have a good CPA doing your taxes and being there for you, and you want to have a good financial advisor. And, you know, another one that I always believe I think is important is someone whoever, whoever does your insurance, having a good person that, that can help you on the insurance side, you know, your homeowners and auto, a good broker, insurance broker who can shop multiple different carriers and find you the best thing and is going to call you up and say, hey, it's time to renew your policies. And, you know, guess what? We can save you 500 bucks if we just switch to another provider and, the, you know, and they're, they're looking for you for that. So, you know, having those three or four people really builds a really good base for anybody that wants to begin building their wealth. That's great. Yeah, that was actually one of the advice when you came and talked to the residents the first time I, I heard you that you told everybody. And and it's something that I continue to tell my coaching clients as well. The only thing that I would add to that is you need a good therapist as well. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> you do. You, you do. do. Everybody you needs do. somebody Everyone to talk needs a good to. Therapist. Yep. Everybody That's needs true. or coach somebody one. to talk to and just to sit and listen and process. I'll it. add that one to my list, Aaron, for just for you. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, Jeffrey, it's great to have you here with me today. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. And also just thank you so much for the years that we've worked together. Thank you for your trust. It means a lot to me. I've heard it takes a village to raise a child. But you know what else? After raising that child, and once that kid has grown up, it takes a community to care for them. Communities are what keeps us sane. They help us heal our trauma. They dance with us when we're winning. Without my online communities, I would have never made it through burnout. And I certainly would have gotten through the shitstorm of this pandemic either. If you too need community, I want to invite you over to my badass Slack group. That's right, I'm not going to be on Facebook, but I do love me some Slack. It's a place where you'll find that you're not the only one. You're not alone. You'll get total validation on what's going on with you. There's a pool of resources. Community is active and rating to welcome you in. We are all helpers who have needs. And sometimes we need to have a community that can surround us, protect us, give us a hug, and lift us up. And that's what the badass Slack community is. So come join me today. Link is in the show notes. Call. 
So two more comments that Jeffrey always tells me that we forgot to mention in the recording. One, whenever the stock market goes down, he always says, Aaron, do you want to invest? Everything's on sale because he knows I'm a coupon mom and you know how to make good decisions. So I want to leave those two thoughts with you as well, especially the last one. You know how to make good decisions, get good supportive people around you, and then sit back and enjoy life. All right, friends, remember your life, your calling, your pulse matters. See ya.